Liz Beattie here. This is Native Traveler. We're in Cody, Wyoming today. And what's the one big thing about this place? Well, it's the town that Buffalo Bill built. It's the birthplace of rodeo, of Wild West lore. It's the kind of place you think you know before you go. But boy, you really don't. Listen in. What does this flag mean to you? And maybe, maybe thank the men and women that came before us that, that fought for the freedoms that we get to have right here today. Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. The sun drops through clear skies over Rattlesnake and Cedar Mountains at the mouth of the Shoshone Canyon near the Buffalo Bill Dam. Horse trailers, pickup trucks, and SUVs stream into the dusty parking lot. Beyond, the sagebrush-covered expanse of the Bighorn Basin stretches seemingly without end into the darkening east. Some young men saunter by wearing well-worn cowboy hats and old-school Wrangler jeans, no lycra. Their belt buckles are the size of my fist. They'd get a sideways glance at most other places around the world. Not here. Welcome to Rodeo Night in Cody, Wyoming. That our flag was still there. Now, a place like Cody feels like the beating heart of what people around the world once dreamed America to be. Irrepressibly authentic, the belly button of a frontier that's inspired a thousand spaghetti westerns. It seems America is still its best self here, but for a lot of reasons that may be harder to pin down than one may first think. low-hanging fruit of pure Americana abounds in Cody. Some call this the rodeo capital of the world, the birthplace of rodeo. Locals say simply, Cody is rodeo. The earliest bronc riding contests were staged right on the main street. Watching from the porch of his hotel, the Irma, William F. Cody, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, once signed a top hand to his famed show after the cowboy stayed aboard while his horse crashed through the drugstore window across the street. The town now hosts 90 rodeo nights a year, as well as the prestigious Cody Stampede each 4th of July weekend, now in its 98th year. Today, as then, it's all about skill, grit, danger, and as always, showmanship. I said, how's everybody doing in Cody, Wyoming? Buffalo Bill would be proud. The famous colonel is all over this place, as one soon learns on the requisite cheesy trolley tour that hits Cody highlights. Let me introduce you to the colonel. He was born William Frederick Cody, February 26, 1846. We are barely underway before our fresh-faced guide describes how Buffalo Bill had the second-fastest Pony Express ride at just age 13, how he became a scout for the military, how he killed over 4,000 buffalo in less than one year, hence his nickname. We learn how the Irma Hotel is named after his daughter and that it's gilded cherrywood bar in the dining room, by the way, serving the best slab of prime rib anywhere. 
was a gift from Queen Victoria. We hear how he lived the real Wild West, and when it had almost disappeared, he took what was left on the road in a show that made him one of the most famous Americans around the turn of the last century. In another place, you might cringe at such commercializing of local lore, but not here. When he built hotels, roads, and railways next to the massive new attraction of the world's first national park, Yellowstone, Buffalo Bill envisioned Cody as the keeper of the Wild West for all the tourists he knew would come. Now, a century since his death, even hardened travelers like me are still eating it up. And here's why. The reality behind the cliches is often bigger and even more interesting. But we start at the early model flintlocks and move all the way up to modern-day firearms. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite stories here... The owner of Cody Firearms Experience, Paul Brock, seems confident that we non-gun types will have a good time. But this Canadian who's never been within arm's length uh, of a gun that actually fires has her doubts. Or the, I mean, the early model flintlocks are really interesting. It's quick flash boom. And you, it's, I mean, that ignition system and that firearm lasted over 200 years. The sight of a 12-foot fence around a schoolyard just outside of town to protect kids from grizzlies and other wild predators does bring practical realities into focus. The historical context we get here is important, too, as is the granular attention to safety. We always point it in a safe direction. If you notice, my finger's straight down. Okay? I don't put my finger onto the trigger. Okay, so... When Paul asks if anyone wants to fire an authentic Civil War Gatling gun, my hand flies up. I kind of surprise myself. My two equally left-leaning travel buddies accuse me of giddiness afterwards. I admit I am. Later, as we drive off. Our host, Claudia, describes her exhilaration about her seven-year-old granddaughter finally getting her first lessons in gun safety, with a pink gun, no less. Grandma, the range is hot, Claudia imitates, grinning broadly. The 36th Annual Plains Indian Museum powwow envelops onlookers with a riot of color, dancing, and drumming on the grounds of Buffalo Bill's Center of the West, an affiliate museum of the Smithsonian. Inside, one of five exhibition areas explores Native American history in the region, Across the central foyer, scores of artifacts also tell the story of Buffalo Bill. Now, how the two intersect is complicated. Knowing who he was requires finding the sum of myriad and often conflicting bits of his life. For example, in the Indian Wars, he allegedly killed Cheyenne Chief Yellow Hair. He killed thousands of buffalo that would undermine some tribe's nomadic way of life. Still, when this frontier had been officially conquered... Buffalo Bill was passionate about sharing with the world an authentic experience of Native American history, culture, and lifestyle that he'd come to know. The show was wrought with stereotypes and biases by any current standard, but because he hired true Native Americans from local tribes and treated everyone in his cast equally, the show has been acknowledged as key to advancing white Native American relations in its day.
Influential chiefs like Sitting Bull and Red Fox are said to have called him friend. He advocated, too, for women's rights, insisting on paying equal wages to sharpshooter Annie Oakley and other female cast members. Still, most striking to me in this exhibit, there's this huge National Geographic map displaying a sea of red pins marking the site of every Buffalo Bill Wild West performance, each featuring hundreds of cast members, stagecoaches, horses, bison, elk, and more. The U.S. military actually studied the logistics of how this massive enterprise moved about North America, Europe, and Britain. It's extraordinary. What kind of person can imagine that actually carry out something like this? Was he just an ambitious product of his era with all its prejudices? Was he a visionary with a big heart and a sense of fairness well beyond his time? Well, likely both. And to me, it's this ability to rise above one's set path and mistakes, to pivot towards something bigger, even a higher purpose when opportunity presents. That's what makes the world of Buffalo Bill and the town he created so fascinating. The news came that Pearl Harbor had been bombed, and it was a shock. My dad always felt, you know, he was really proud of being an American, and so naturally he wanted us to feel the same. Even at that age, I knew that we were in trouble. I knew that there would be hatred toward us. The Heart Mountain War Relocation Center now a museum, an interpretive center, is just outside of Cody. It was one of ten camps used for the internment of Japanese Americans, evicted from their homes on the West Coast during World War II. These accounts are from an award-winning film presented at the center. And in some ways, I think my folks felt that they were being loyal, doing what the government wanted them to do. I don't think that they ever thought that they had any rights. Our guide here pulls the key issues into focus, the history, and why it still matters today. We, we spend time talking with people about personal freedom versus national security. Mm -hmm. And this was something that people thought was really necessary for national security at mm -hmm. the time. At the risk of personal freedom. At the risk of personal freedom. Mm -hmm. um, looking back, hindsight helps a lot. And we know there was not a single case of mm -hmm. espionage by a person of Japanese ancestry living in the United States. We know that the government, uh, the military commission report on this said that the top reasons for this were prejudice, war hysteria, and a failure of political leadership. Mm -hmm. One exhibit room in particular captivates me. Here, rare internment camp images, some by Ansel Adams, reveal Heart Mountain Camp life. Surprisingly, the faces and scenes are less of sorrow and hardship and, and more of resilience, love of family, commitment to community, and patriotism qualities any nation might hope for in its citizens. It makes me wonder how locals today react to this dark chapter of local history. 
Working up front day to day, you get a, a feel for maybe the way people lean politically and how that influences them. And so uh, I noticed that with locals, whichever way they're leaning, they're more likely to be against future actions that resemble this. Mm-hmm. Part of it is I always describe Wyoming as where libertarianism and liberalism meet. Mm-hmm. You can have super conservatives who are really into conservation. You can have just really interesting, complicated ways of doing stuff. So um, I think that most people who are from the area, because they've been aware of this history for longer and they've seen this result, they're against this sort of thing happening again. Every year now, a growing Heart Mountain pilgrimage in July unites residents, former camp incarcerees, and their families to revisit and raise awareness of the stories of what happened here. I think Heart Mountain spotlights in a new way what's always been the best of the town that Buffalo Bill built. There's a town up in northern Wyoming. It was founded by a buffalo. Cody is still a place of rugged individualists, still reinventing itself in a changing world, still embracing its stories, owning its past, its glory, its mistakes, and then, of course, still sharing these stories with the rest of the world. Buffalo Bill would be proud indeed. Main Street. Yeah, there was Shorty and his partner Slim. I had a great conversation with Claudia Wade, who heads up all things travel and tourism for Park County. That includes Cody and Yellowstone. Here's Claudia. As we touched on in our feature today, uh, Cody's founder, Buffalo Bill, lived uh, at the tail end of the Wild West, but instead of becoming a forgotten relic of that time, he created this global entertainment phenomenon based on Wild West lore. And it feels like the town of, of Cody is carrying on that tradition. Don't you think that's true? Oh, absolutely. I think Buffalo Bill would be proud of how this little town that he founded has prospered, yet we've managed to continue to be an authentic town uh, with that Western lore always in the forefront. That's for sure. That's for sure. Now, Buffalo Bill sort of had this astounding understanding of the big picture. I mean, he did a lot to make sure that this, in terms of foundations, to make sure that this town thrived. I mean, things like hotels, uh, newspapers. Tell us some of those basics that he put in place. Well, I think the first thing that is important is he realized that in order for the town to survive, it needed to um, have the citizens be able to live here year-round. And while Yellowstone was just open in the summertime, he knew that folks would need to live here in the winter. Um, So his first action was to um, locate a water source that would be available to the citizenry um, year-round. And so he did that. And uh, that project was one of the first Bureau of Reclamation 
funded projects here in the United States um, and built a dam um, on the rivers coming out of Yellowstone Park and uh, which formed a reservoir for our water source and today that is still our main water source. The farmers and ranchers use it as well as a water source for the city. Um, he founded the Cody Enterprise which was um, a weekly newspaper and now it is two, week, two days a week. Uh, the Irma Hotel um, he built, named after his daughter Irma, realizing that folks coming into the park would need to overnight before that journey into the park. Um, he also built a hotel about halfway between Cody um, and the east entrance of Yellowstone and then also built one at the east entrance. And the um, restaurant there, the bar, wasn't that uh, given to him by Queen Victoria? Uh, it was. Um, after he'd gone uh, over to London and the Wild West show performed at Earl's Court, which was the first performance of that facility, um, he uh, was was remembered by Queen Victoria uh, by receiving this bar, huge back bar with buffalo heads on it. It's mm-hmm. pretty extravagant. Oh, but. it really is. Well, listen, you know, this this is a town that is irrepressibly authentic. I completely agree with you about that. Uh, tell us about the old trail town, because I think this is a really neat bit of history showing what life was like in the early West. You bet. Um, you know, Old Trail Town is um, much like a Western movie set with boardwalks and buildings on uh, two sides of the street and old wagons uh, parked in the middle. Um, some of those cabins, well, all of them, were taken from about an 80-mile radius of Cody, and they're all authentic buildings. One of them happens to be the cabin that Butch Cassidy and the Hole in the Wall gang frequented uh, when they were in the area. Um, and I think what's important as you look at all of these buildings, each one uh, is labeled um, as to when it was built and how it was used. And there are some buildings there that were small residential cabins, um, not only general stores and schoolhouses and, and saloons. And I think what's important, and I've heard people say as they're out there, it, they're just amazed at how small the cabins are and how dusty uh, things get, but, you know, that's how they lived. Um, mm-hmm. The cabins usually had one, maybe two windows, so they were dark. Uh, there were low ceilings. Um, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of material to use to build these cabins, so they were very frugal with that and didn't have a lot to to spend um, in the way of glass for windows and that kind of thing. So um, it is a, a great feeling of you know how how it truly was. It's a little different than what you see in the movies. That's for sure. I mean, it gives you a sense of the grit that was required to survive Mm -hmm. uh, this environment, for sure. Uh, And uh, now the weekend that I was there, uh, there was uh, a meeting of the Plains First Nations tribes. It was just, uh, it was really quite a remarkable event. Mm -hmm. What's the relationship of Cody with uh, the local um, First Nations and, uh, and, uh, you know, the various events that that, uh, are connected? Well, that relationship has begun through the um, Plains Indian Museum, mm-hmm. uh, the curator and the staff of that museum, which is just one of the five museums of the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, the Plains Indian Pow Wow um, next year will be its uh, 37th year, mm-hmm. um, and that's always Father's Day weekend. Um, and they continue to build those relationships with, with those tribal leaders, um, and um, I think that's uh, uh, that, that we've been able to have this event for 37 years speaks speaks volumes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
well, it is an incredibly uh, colorful and uh, evocative event, no doubt about it. Uh, another fascinating part of, uh, of my time there was the visit to Heart Mountain Interpretive Center. Tell us about what we see at the Heart Mountain Interpretive Center and, uh, and its importance today. Well, um, this is a a dark spot in our history, I believe, here in this area, um, but something that needs to be told. Um, uh, After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, um, we, the President Roosevelt went ahead and signed Executive Order 9066, which forced the uh, Japanese-Americans who were living on the West Coast to move to internment camps on the interior of uh, the United States. There were 10 of those camps built in the western United States. One of those is just outside of, of Cody. And at the time, um, it housed 14,000 uh, Japanese and Japanese-Americans, and it was the third largest city um, in Wyoming. Um, And I think the important lesson here is certainly this uh, whole activity was void of any civil rights um, for those Japanese Americans. And I think as we look at the threats that we have today, we just need to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Another highlight for me was you mentioned the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go into a little more depth about the five parts of the museum and their highlights. Okay. Um, After Buffalo Bill died, which actually was 100 years ago uh, this year, um, they founded a memorial association, and that association decided that we need to build a museum um, to house all of Buffalo Bill's story. Um, And uh, so they started the Buffalo Bill Museum, which was the first of uh, five museums that are housed in the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Um, after the Buffalo Bill Museum, there was the Whitney Gallery of Western Art, the Plains Indian Museum, the Cody Firearms Museum, and a Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm. And all of these museums um, all have that Western theme, and they uh, are affiliated with the Smithsonian Museums, and so it's the interpretation is very high quality um, and a wonderful experience to go into that center. It is so large that your admission is for two full days, mm-hmm. um, and it is the size of three professional football fields. Well, you really get a full sense of the scope, I mean, from Wild West lore to uh, natural history. First of all, it was the scope of people and and things and equipment that he took on the road. I mean, it is just the logistics of it alone are astounding. Absolutely. Um, and I think uh, what's amazing to me is some of those logistics of, of transporting that show and moving all the animals and the equipment um, and the people, um, that was actually studied by several military organizations and uh, of the how to do that as efficiently as you possibly could. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's a, a very large part. I'm sure most people didn't even think about that when they were sitting there watching uh, stagecoaches being robbed or an Indian tribe or whatever dancing. Uh, so uh, it, it is amazing. The, the other part of that, the, I suppose the second half of that, is just when you stand in front of that massive National Geographic map and you see these, it looks like thousands of red dots of where he mm-hmm. went all over North America. I mean, even up to Barrie, Ontario, and I mean, and all over uh, Western Europe. It's astounding the the reach of his show. It's no wonder that he was one of the most famous people around the turn of the last century. 
Oh, no question about it. And many of those locations, you know, he did repeat performances, would come back, you know, in, in a couple years. Um, the, the show toured. Uh, for several years, and then he took uh, he quit, and then started it up again. Um, so uh, some of those locations, they were there twice. So it is just astounding, especially when you consider the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the time in the century that it was, and and how you know t- now we've got walkie talkies and cell phones and GPS and all of that, and and none of that was available to them. Mm-hmm. He was quite forward thinking in terms of being an advocate for First Nations and an advocate. For for women, it, it, it said that he paid uh, Annie Oakley the same amount that he paid all the men in the show. And, and that was quite forward thinking for the time. It was. It was. Um, and um, as I mentioned, I, th- I think, uh, you know, relationships were important to him um, as much as he understood what it took to make a good show. And he understood who the key players needed to be. And um, he kept that in mind all the time. Um, and he was a showman. And it knew what it was going to take in order for that show to succeed. Claudia was kind enough to hunt down for me Cade Rogie, who was the announcer at the Cody Night Rodeo the night that we went. And he sounds so chill in this conversation, but oh my God, he was so funny. Just a joke a minute. Uh, it was just belly laugh therapy. Anyway, here's Cade. Cody Night Rodeo runs seven nights a week, June to end of August. Uh, No wonder Cody is called the rodeo capital of the world. Now, some might think that if it happens so often, it might be a contrived show. It must be sort of a a reenactment. But I am here to tell you that this is absolutely the real deal. Tell us where all your competitors come from. Uh, you know, they, they come from all over it. You get a lot of first timers, you, you know, you get a lot of people that are getting their start there. Um, and, and they truly, they come from all over the world. Um, Australia, you know, uh, Canada, I mean, all across the United States. It, it's truly amazing what this little rodeo where from, it draws people from, from all over. It's, it's, you're going to see a little bit of everything. I guess what I'm trying to say, as far as competitors go, it's, it's truly amazing. You, you really get a mix of everything. And, and you have world champions that swing in every once in a while, too. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, I think there was a bull rider from Australia there the night I was there. I have to say, it's one of the most uh, entertaining uh, two or three hours you're ever going to spend. It's, it's scary and exciting. You know, it's for the whole family. The animals are spectacular. The cowboys and girls are very, uh, you know, skilled. But it's also just wildly funny and entertaining. Uh, where did you learn to be such an entertainer? You know, um, it, I really got thrown in the fire in this job. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I was a competitor for a long time, um, and I, I actually college rodeoed, and um, it, it was just one of those deals. We, we put on a rodeo school there at the College of Southern Idaho where I went, um, and at the last day of that school, they, they had a rodeo. And, and I come from auctioneers. My whole family um, are auctioneers, and, and I'm an auctioneer as well. And so they they knew I wasn't scared of a microphone, and mm-hmm. they they just kind of threw me in there, and I did that rodeo, and and the next thing you know, I did some high school rodeos after that. But um, Cody Cody is a big big part of my career. Um, it's definitely where I got my start. I was here full time for two years, um, and it's it's huge for for me, um, and I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud that Cody is where I got my start, and. Uh, 
it's done so many things, opened so many doors in my career. Now, you're, um, you have a, a bullfighting or a rodeo clown, I suppose is another way people know it, uh, school in Cody. Is that true? Um, not every year. Um, you know, Cody, um, Cody made Dusty Tuckness as well. Uh, he's a six-time bullfighter of the year. Mm. Um, and he's, he's from right here. He, he grew up in Matiti and uh in the rodeo in this town very proud of him and mm-hmm. uh, as we should be i mean he's he's done some amazing things he's worked the biggest rodeos in the world and and uh and, and as i said i mean he's been voted the best for six years now mm-hmm. um and occasionally he, he'll put one on but it just kind of depends on his schedule but um you know with even without the school there's a lot of guys that come here um especially because of dusty um, to get their start just like he did. And, and, and like I said, it, it's really, it's, it is almost like going to school. If you're serious about wanting to become a, you know, a bull rider or a rodeo announcer or, or whatever, I mean, you, you have the opportunity to, to work on something every day. Now, you have people coming to see this from all over the world. Um, what do you think experiencing such an authentic rodeo tells people like me about Cody? Uh, that Cody is rodeo. I mean, that's that's their slogan, and it's 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 true. I mean, this town gets behind that rodeo. Um, it's just kind of a the culture, and and it's just it's just a fun place. So that's our show. I guess the one big thing about Cody, well, it's everything you expect and wow, so much more. I'm Liz Beatty. This is Native Traveler. Till next time.